Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. You know? All right, let's go. Oh my goodness, everyone, today is exciting. I am talking with Allie Jackson from Finding Mr. Height on Instagram and TikTok and all the places social media related. And Allie is just sort of an expert in the online dating world. And I have to say, she has just gem after gem after gem of helpful tips and things to think about and reminders and text scripts and everything if you are just starting out dating or if you are doing any online dating of any kind. I've learned so much from Allie over the past couple of years watching and consuming her content, and I was so thrilled that she said yes to having this conversation. So I highly recommend giving this one a full listen and maybe sending it along to somebody that you know who is engaging in online dating. Maybe even not widows, maybe just anybody you know who's dating online, because this is truly helpful gold. So another thing is you may or may not know that that podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I just have to say, there have been so many times in the last few years that I felt like, okay, I think I'm better. I don't know if I need therapy. And then I have my session and I'm just like, I am so thankful I did that today. For me, online therapy has been the best thing because if I don't have something for my kids to do specifically, I just let them watch a show and I come up and I do therapy and it's in the comfort of my home and it's easy and convenient. BetterHelp is incredible because they have so many options for therapists that you can use. There's really quick access to your therapists. If you don't vibe well with the person you're with, you can just change it up. There's just so many good things here. So we have a discount code. It's 10% off your first month's membership. If you go to betterhelp.com slash dating after death, that's help H-E-L-P, and you'll get that discount and hopefully a therapist who you love and can help you as you navigate this journey. Last quick thing is that if you are interested in actually seeing these podcasts instead of just listening to them, this season I am putting up on the Patreon the unedited video versions of my conversations with my guests, as well as any other kind of bonus content or things that come up over the course of the season. And you will also get access to our private Facebook group to have closer connection with the community. So check that out at patreon.com slash datingafterdeath. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Allie. Hi, nice to meet you face to face. Nice to meet you too. I really thank you so much for doing this. You're the first non-widow guest I've had on the show. Oh, wow. What an honor. So yeah, I mean, I just, I've been following your stuff for probably like a year and a half now. And I just like have learned so much from you. And I'm a regular listener of your podcast. I just know that like the energy that you put out and everything, all the work you're doing could be so helpful to our community who tend to be probably a little apprehensive when they start dating. So yeah, totally. I just thought we could rapid fire some questions and talk yeah. about things dating. Okay. Sounds great. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself first and how Finding Mr. Height started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Allie. I'm 35 years old. Uh, I live in New York City with my two cats who the videos for the patrons, you said, right? So yes. the patrons will likely see the cats yeah. coming through. They are here with me. So I've been living in New York for about 13 years. And I'm actually, I ha- do have a different full-time job. I'm in the corporate retail industry. But I started Finding Mr. Height about three years ago now. Originally, it was just kind of chronicling my own dating life and trying to hold myself accountable 
to going on more dates because <laughs> I want to meet a long-term partner. Yeah. And in the course of that, just discovered this amazing community and need, I think, for people to feel less alone in dating. Yeah. And for people to feel like there are other people that are struggling with what they're struggling with. And I was, you know, getting fielding a lot of questions about how I handled different situations and how, you know, what would you do if this happened or how would you tell somebody this? And I just kind of realized that there was room for my voice in the space. And so here we are. Yeah. I'm always shocked that you carry a full-time job and do this because this is time intensive. (laughs) It's a lot. Okay. So I think it would be interesting. I guess my first question is, have you ever, because you take one-on-one clients, right? I do. Yeah. Have you ever worked with anyone who was widowed before? Several. Yeah. Oh, you have. Um, and yeah, I actually have a, a current client who's a widow. Okay. Um, also, my mom is a widow. So, oh, yes, you know, she's not right. a client of mine, but yeah. but I do have a lot of experience in kind of talking to her. Yes. So I've had several one-on-one clients who are widows. Um, we also have had a couple podcast episodes about grief. And one of the ones we did was called the Widowed Mom One. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had um, Krista St. Germain came on. Um, she has a podcast as well. And so she came on and talked about sort of her experience. And then through that, I ended up talking to a lot of women in, in my community, as it turns out, who are widows. Okay. Have you found anything in common amongst those that you've worked with? I think the biggest thing that I've encountered is the understandable hesitancy to start dating again. Yeah. But more than just the hesitancy, it's also about the how and the when Mm -hmm. and, you know, not being sure if you're ready. And I always say like, kind of don't know if you're ready until you just try. We can like get more into that later. But I think that like that, that I would say is the biggest common thread is, am I ready? How do I know if I'm ready? And then the second piece is that it depends on how long the person was married and how long it's been since they last dated. But many women that I talk to are coming into a dating landscape that looks completely different from the last time they were in it. Yep. (laughs) Yes. I just felt like I was like learning a whole new language. Yeah. I think I've said this before in the pod, but like the before getting on the dating apps, I had never had a text conversation with a human that I didn't meet in person first. So then like Mm, on the apps, you know, you're just like, only building relationships, not only, but like you're building something with somebody through text only. I was like, how are you supposed to do this? And like read their tone and yeah. is a whole different thing. <laughs> totally. So I think that that's the second piece of it. There's the first piece that's emotional. Yeah. That's like, when do I do this? How do I do this? How do I know that it's the right time? Will I ever know that it's the right time? Which like yeah. kind of the answer there is no. No. <laughs> um, but, but the second piece is logistical. Yeah. Like all of these apps are out there where do I start? What do I do? How do I even start attacking this? Yes. So, okay, let's talk, since we're talking about this anyway, with like knowing it's the right time, do you feel like you have things that you tell people like, okay, if you go out on a date and these things come up for you, you'll know it's not right. Or maybe that's a good sign. Things like that. I think the biggest thing I say is that deciding to start dating is not an irreversible decision. Yes. I love that. And so I think a lot of people think about it understandably, like it's a really big step and it is, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they consider often that they can easily take a step back. Yeah. If you decide to go on one date, that's just that one date. It doesn't mean that you have to go on more. It doesn't mean that you have to continue seeing that person. It doesn't mean that you have to continue to be on an app, to go on additional dates. It's just each decision in a vacuum. Yeah. 
And so that's the first piece of advice that I always give is like none of these decisions are irreversible. And then the second piece is that it is probably going to feel weird. Yeah. The first time you go out with somebody, the second time, like it's going to feel awkward the first and year. weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can, it can be a long time. Yeah. But there's a difference between it feeling awkward and weird and it feeling unsafe. Mm. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean emotionally unsafe. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't feel physically unsafe. But I think there's a lot to getting in touch with how your body is feeling and what it's telling you to try to understand, is this just, you know, first time nerves? I'm just a little anxious about getting back out there again. Or is this my body telling me that I am not emotionally prepared for this? Yeah. Yeah. I think I had like a couple distinct situations where when I first started dating, I was pretty excited, actually. I was just like, okay, I'm ready for some like something fun in my life and some joy again. Yeah. So I went on some dates and pretty much made out with every guy I went on a date with because I was just like, (laughs) I could use to be kissed. But they all felt like really good, like a a lot of not right matches, but they felt good. Yeah. And then like a year and a half later, I went on some dates and I was just like, oh, I can tell my heart's not in a place for this. It seemed pretty distinct to me, the difference between like, this is new and awkward versus this is not, I can't. I think so. I think it's difficult to like talk through out loud in words what feelings feel like. Yeah. But I think when you start to really dig into it and to describe how you're feeling, it becomes pretty clear which of the things you're dealing with. Yeah. And I do think at some point, if you're continuing to feel, I'm not ready for this, I'm not ready for this, I'm not ready for this, you want to be. Yeah. Then I think there's like more work you could do in therapy and kind of figure out like what are the blockers? Like is it yeah. it doesn't seem to be just time at this point? Like there's probably other blockers besides just the passage of time. For sure. I like that idea though that it's not irreversible. I think somebody has talked to me about this in terms of their wedding ring as well because I know this is something that comes huh? up for all of us is like when do we take our wedding rings off? Do you wear it on a date? You know, all of that. And yeah. somebody once just said like you could take it off and put it back on again. That's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I know for you, okay, you do a lot of like great tips for creating profiles and the whole dating app thing. So can we dig into that a little bit and have some of your like top tips for getting started? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I will say for getting started is try not to overwhelm yourself. Okay. There are so many apps out there. And I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by, A, how many choices they have, Mm -hmm. but B, they think that they have to be on as many as possible. They're like, all Mm -hmm. right, I'm getting back out there. That means that I need to like go at it with full gusto, get on all of these apps. And I always recommend incremental change. Okay. Pick one app that based on the research that you've done, whether that's, you know, consuming stuff on social media to kind of get a sense for them or talking to friends, other people who have used different apps, pick one that you think is going to work for you. And again, not an irreversible decision. Yep. And try that one so that you only have one thing to focus on and you're not overwhelming yourself from the jump. Yes. Okay. I love that advice. So I've also heard, and I'm interested because I think, I feel like you know some like behind the scenes stuff about apps, like (laughs) algorithm-y stuff. A lot of the women I talk to like to do this thing where they create sort of like a fake profile, a picture of nature, so that they can look at who's out there, right? And just kind of swipe oh, through. Oh, interesting. Um, because they don't, they're not ready to be like out, but they're just like, I'm curious what the field looks like. I think that that's 
that's a thing and people do that. That's okay. But I also know sure. that like the apps sort of, there's a bonus to starting and that they sort of yeah. push out more when you start your profile and all that. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and I think it's because, and apps will say that they do this, like they want new users to get pushed out there for two different reasons. One, because they want people who are new to have good experiences. Yeah. Because if you're just joining their app, they want you to see good people. That's, they want yeah. you to have a good experience. And then the second piece is that they want the people that are already on the app to see, oh, there's new people coming into the pool. Yeah. So there's sort of two reasons why they would push new profiles forward. So I really do not recommend having that sort of fake profile approach if you are then going to turn that profile into your real profile. So maybe, and I, I don't necessarily recommend doing this, but like maybe if you had another phone number or a different email address and you wanted to create an account that would then be fully unrelated to the one you eventually use. Yeah. That wouldn't have any sort of like algorithm drawbacks. I would question if the goal is being achieved by doing that and having that fake profile. Like, I don't know if you're actually getting out of it what you think you are. Well, that's what I've said too, because I think like you're not going to actually get any of the like feedback that you would normally get Mm-mm. from being on the app. Like nobody's going to respond to your profile because you don't have a picture and there's no like positive conversations that are going to come your way. You're just going to get people who are swiping right on everyone. So I think it's a little dangerous. Yeah. Well, and you're also not giving the dating app any information about you. And so the people that you're seeing are just going to be random in a sense, mm. maybe like you know, your age and distance filters, I'm assuming they're not paying for a dating app if they're not going to have any pictures. So if you're not paying for a dating app, your filter options are pretty limited on most of them. Yeah. You're not really seeing your eventual dating pool. Yes. That's such a good point. Okay. So do you pay for dating apps? I do. I pay, well, specifically I pay for Bumble and Hinge. Okay. Which seem to be the top two to be in. um, Oh yeah. Okay. Pretty much any age group, unless you're like, in your 70s. Oh, really? You think even like I the would say Bumble and Hinge are my two 60s? favorite. Yeah. Okay. Because I get questions I about that, that a lot. I think that that's still... Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend on where you are. Yeah. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all answer in the sense that like even within Bumble and Hinge, I've gotten feedback from people in some cities where they're like, oh, no, Bumble is terrible here. Hinge is yeah. better. Yep. And then other cities where I hear the opposite. In New York, I think it's a toss-up. I think okay. it just depends on your its personal preference. But yeah. So I think for a very wide range of age groups. Those are going to be your top two. And then from there, the reason that I pay for both of them is because I want to use filters that are not available to me for free. Okay. That are important enough to me to pay for them. But it's all like, it's not a one size fits all answer in terms of, is it worth it to pay? Because it depends on how worth it those filters are to you. Yeah. Yes. So like if it's really important to people that they are only dating somebody with kids or in a specific religion or. Yeah, though, I will caution that the way that most dating apps work, including Bumble and Hinge, is that filters are inclusive, not exclusive. And what that means is that if I'm filtering, so to use your example, if I want somebody who has kids, let's say. Yeah. And doesn't want more. Let's say that I I want somebody who already has kids, but they don't want more. That's an option that you can select that option on Bumble and Hinge. I'm only going to see people who filled it out. I'm not going to see people who didn't fill out that question. Oh, I see. So if they just skip that filter altogether or they didn't answer it for themselves, you totally take them out of the pool. Oh, that's Even if they might meet your criteria. Okay. So there's a guy, he has kids. He's like, "Eh, I don't need to include that right now. They'll learn that about me later. He's no longer in your pool. 
That's you won't really see them. You're only going to see people who specifically picked the filter. And that's okay for some people. So an example that I feel like often comes up is religion. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you are very religious and it's important to you that your partner is also very religious in the same way that you are. Yeah. That person probably filled it out. Yep. Totally. Like if somebody is, let's say, Christian and it's really important to them, chances are they filled out that question. Right. And somebody who didn't fill it out, religion's probably not a big part of their life. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. in that case, like it could be okay that you don't see the people that didn't fill it out because that means that it's not as important to them as it is to you. Yeah. So knowing you pay for this for both apps, what do you think you're getting out of it, especially considering you're eliminating people from the pool? So I'm six feet tall. Yes. <laughs> and I have had many, many, many experiences where I go on a date and I am made to feel terrible about my height because the guy is either shorter than me or I'm taller than he was expecting, despite the fact that I have my height right there. Yeah. And I do prefer to date people that are my height and taller, but it's not a hard and fast deal breaker for me. Yeah. But I've had those negative experiences so often on dating apps that I now use that filter as a way to not get myself in that situation. Okay. And it, it honestly, it still does happen. Yeah. Because I'll still get the guy who says he's 6'2", but is actually six feet. And then when we show up on the date and we're the same height, yeah. he accuses me of lying. What? <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't happen nearly as often as it used to. Okay. Before I started using the height filter. Because typically, like, once you're over six feet, like, you're not generally lying. Yeah. Right. Because they don't need to. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't think anybody needs to or should, but I've just had that negative experience so many times yeah. that it's now like a protective measure for myself. And yes, if a guy does not fill out height, I won't see him. Yeah. However, that's probably not somebody that I wanted to go out with anyway. Right. Just based on my experience. Yes. And I think you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem to me that men tend to up their height a little bit so that they don't get lost in people's filters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I understand why they do that. But at the same time, it probably doesn't matter that much for most women because like most women aren't going to be able to tell like because most women are shorter, right? Like, right. So like, let's say you're five, six, you probably don't know the difference between six, one and six, two right. or six feet and six, one. Right. But when he shows up on the date and we're eye level. Yes. And now he's upset. Right. Or I'm Not taller. Everybody, but yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Or I'm taller than him. Yeah. So and this is certainly not everybody, but it was enough people. Yeah. That it was giving me like a pretty significant negative experience. Okay. All right. So this leads into actually creating your profile in a way that like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm ready to go. I'm looking for what I'm looking for. What are your big tips? So I think in general... The very first thing that I always recommend, so we'll start with pictures and then we'll talk about profiles. So okay. the very first thing that I recommend with pictures is that your first picture needs to be your face. Yeah. Like head and shoulders. I'm going to use the word headshot, but I don't actually mean professional headshot. Yeah. But like if you think about the amount of, of you that you can see in your professional headshot, like that's what I'm talking about and yeah. you got to be smiling. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And this is this is applicable to any person on a dating app, regardless yes. of your gender, gender or your gender preferences. Yeah. Like you got to be smiling. And I hate especially to tell women to smile. However, studies show that we find smiling faces more attractive. And like, don't you want to date someone who's happy? Yeah. You know, like you want to come across a picture and be like, oh, my gosh, like I would love to be in that picture with them. Yes. And they look they like look like they're having a fun. great time. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously you're not 
going to be sunny and smiley all the time. Right. But like, this is your cover to your book. That's right. You're showing your best. Yeah. So like, that's your first picture. And then I like to have like a smattering of different types of pictures after that. So you might have, you know, one that's full body. You might Mm -hmm. have one that's like you doing an activity that you love. Or, you know, if you like to travel, you might have one that's like clearly in some destination, you know, a few different kind of like, these are all the versions of me that you might get to hang out with. Yes, I love that. And I felt like it was really important to have full body. And I actually felt like I picked a a full body picture that I don't specifically love of my body. I was like, this isn't like, oh, really? I don't don't look my hottest in this picture. Because (laughs) I felt I mean, it was like a picture of me on my bike. And so you could see my whole body, but I'm like in my spandex and not the most flattering. But I was like, okay, if the guy likes that I'm biking and he's fine with the way my body looks there, then I feel confident going into the date. He knows what he's getting and I feel good about it. Yeah. And then that's a twofer because you're also showing an activity that's important to you Yeah, or kind of a threefer because you're also saying I'm active mm-hmm. and here's one thing that I really like to do. And also, by the way, here's what I look like. Yeah. I love rolling all of that into one. (laughs) Because that's great. uh, Well, yeah, because like I just I I don't know. I think I'll speak for myself, not for like all women, of course, but just like the pressure around body image and all of that. I just Mm -hmm. felt like I'm not going to be a super skinny girl ever. So just like, please take I want you to see what you're in for. And then I could go in with confidence. Yeah, I love that. I love putting forth realistic pictures of yourself too, where you still feel good and confident. Yeah. Like I'm not saying, yeah. you know, put up pictures you don't even like, right? but where you're not then worried about that when you're going on the date totally. and thinking, oh, you know, my pictures are five years old and like, I don't really look like that anymore, whether that, whether for whatever reason it is. Yeah. And now you're worried about it. I've really liked when I see like when somebody takes a picture of themselves and then they put, this is May of 2022 or something. Oh, like so the you date. Can sort of yeah. See it. Yeah. So you can see like, oh, those aren't outdated pictures. And yeah, totally. So, so that's pictures. So then yeah. as we think about your profile, I think there are two major mistakes that I see people making on profiles. And okay. this uh, applies to literally everyone. Yeah. One, you're being too general, making sweeping statements that could apply to almost anyone. Yes. I like tacos. Right. Or like, I like to travel. Yes. <laughs> or I like wine or, you know, I'm sarcastic. Like all of these things might be true, but they are also true about like millions and millions of people. Yeah. And I think the reason this happens is because it's hard to put your entire person yes. into a few little prompts, mm-hmm. a couple pithy sentences. And so don't even try because you can't. You can't mm. capture everything that you are as a human being into a dating app profile. It's just not possible. Yeah. It wouldn't be possible even if you had pages and pages. Like you just can't. And so rather than trying and ending up with a generic profile that could apply to anyone, instead pick a few really specific things Mm. that are exemplary of who you are and things about you. Yeah. So I have a question about this because I've heard recently maybe on the love drive that Mm -hmm. like some of the top words that people use in their profiles, that travel is one of them. And I was thinking, yeah, like that it gets that gets the most hits. And I was thinking, like, yeah, I could see that. But also, I feel like you see it so much, like people saying, oh, I love to travel that it's just like you're saying, it feels like a throwaway statement. Yeah, because there are very few people who would say they don't. Right, of course. (laughs) You know, like there are are very few people who would be like, I hate tacos. Yes. (laughs) Or like that kind of stuff. And so 
get specific with it because while many, many, many people like to travel, the way that we like to travel is completely different. Totally. As an example, you could say like, you know, I was in Colombia for three weeks and did the most amazing zipline tour or something like that. Yeah. Or like I'm planning a backpacking trip through X country. And then that would say like, okay, that's the kind of travel you are. Or I really want to go to Paris and like see this thing. Like you can be really specific about the types of travel that you like. Yeah. And that will tell the person way more about you than a throwaway statement like I like to travel. Yes. I always really liked when people would say, contemplating my next trip, deciding between these three countries, where would you go? Or something like that. Yeah. So that's what in the e-com space, we call that a call to action. Yes, that's right. And it's my favorite thing to use on a dating app profile is to ask a direct question. Yeah. And that brings me which into my, what my next tip was going to be is oh, that, that you want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to talk to you. Yeah. You want to make it a no-brainer, whether that's because you asked them a direct question, whether it's because if you're on Hinge, let's say you used a picture prompt that said like, you know, guess where this photo was taken. You want to make it so... It just is so easy for them yeah, to say something to you because you've given them so much material and things to say. I find it like so frustrating when somebody has like a very appealing profile, but then there's nothing to comment on. I'm like, ugh. Exactly. Like they're so general that I'm like, I don't know what to say to even be clever or cute. Exactly. So that's where we have to think about that in reverse yeah. and like look at your profile with a critical eye and say, okay, if I was reading, there's my cat, um, <laughs> if I was reading this profile as somebody else, what would I say to me? Like where are the places in this profile where I would ask me a question or yes. where I would answer a question that I've asked? Okay, Ellie, what do you do when somebody is like, hey- And that's it. So garbage in does not need to mean garbage out. Ooh, say more about that. Just because somebody starts a conversation in a boring way does not mean that you have to continue it in a boring way. Okay. And so what I like to do if somebody says that is to take one step further in my tone. So if they say, hey, I might say like, hey, so-and-so, exclamation point, how's your week going? Yeah. I'm not doing so much that I'm now going 90 when they've gone zero. Okay. But I am stepping it up a bit from where they were at and hoping that they'll then meet me there and then we can continue to build. Okay. Would you ever go and look at their profile and like ask a question about that or does that feel like too much? Yeah, sure. Okay. No, I yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, you probably are going to do that anyway. Like you're probably going to go look at their profile anyway after they message you. Right, of course. And hopefully they have a profile that we're talking about that's going to be really easy for you to pick something out to comment on. And then, yeah, absolutely. If there's something that jumps out at you that doesn't take you, you know, a ton of time to shoot back a question, absolutely. And then from there, now we're thinking about, is this person matching my investment in this conversation or am I continuing to have to do all the heavy lifting? Yes, yes. Okay, and then when you sort of realize that like, oh, the, the conversation's dying out, or it feels like we've lulled, whatever. Do you let things fizzle or do you say something to end it? So in this scenario, do I want to go on a date with this person? Oh, I maybe like initially, I'm just trying to think back of when I was like messaging multiple people. And I feel like there would be times where initially you're like excited about somebody, but then they can't really carry a conversation. And then you're like, forget it. Got it. Okay. So it's not that the conversation has lulled. It's that they like were never really in it. Yeah. Or like this didn't have the same it's energy. It's not like you, you were, were having a good for. conversation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or I don't know. In that case, I think, well, we, different answer. So the okay. first, the first situation, if you feel like 
you know what, this is just this isn't my person. Like I'm giving stuff out and they're not sending anything back. Yeah. And I'm just feeling like they're not invested in talking to me. Yeah. I don't think there's any need to say anything. Okay. I think we just move on. Just yeah. Okay, cool. Agreed. I don't recommend unmatching. I leave people in purgatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just in case and they come the back reason, around. Well, no, it's because if you do unmatch them, they could come back into your queue and then you might end up having the same exact thing happen again because you don't remember it's the guy that stopped talking. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's funny. Like there's no, truly no downside to leaving people in your conversations. Like there's absolutely no downside to having open conversations besides like your own desire to have inbox zero. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like get over that that. and just leave people there. Okay. But in the second scenario where you did have a good conversation, but it kind of comes to a lull, then I would ask them on a date. Okay. Yeah. Good. So do you, because I feel like from listening to you, you do a lot of the date asking. Is that true? Uh, No, I don't think that's true. Oh, okay. I am not afraid to do date asking. Yes. But I wouldn't frame it as I do most of it. Okay. But it happens relatively quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I really like. Yeah. I think... I really don't like talking to somebody a whole lot before we end up going out because I don't want to build up this idea in their head of who I think they are before we've ever met in person. Yep. I had that happen a few times. It was so bad. It's like the analogy that I like to use is when you really like a book and then you go and see the movie. And even if the movie is not objectively bad, you're disappointed because it's not what you pictured when you read the book. Yeah. And even... Like hearing somebody's voice sometimes can, I I don't know, like I had this whole image of this guy once and within three seconds of seeing him in person, I was like, shit. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. We talked too much. Yeah. And so that's why I like to get on dates sooner. And I, I, like I said, I'm not afraid to ask somebody on a date. What I do do a lot though is start talking about a date. Okay. So you'll insinuate that you want to go on a date. Or blatantly say it. Okay. Say things like, oh, so, you know, like that, that's a great story, but it's better in person. Or like, oh, I'll have to tell you more about that on our first date. Okay. And like, then it's like, you are making it safe for them to ask you because you're, you're going to say yes. I love that. So let's talk about when you're actually on a date. (laughs) I've talked to two separate women who have been on dates that were four plus hours because they couldn't walk away. (laughs) Marathon dates, been there. So were they good dates, couldn't walk away or like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't like we're loving it so much. It was like they just felt like they couldn't end it or they didn't want to be rude. You know. Oh man. That's a long time to spend with someone you don't want to spend time with. So long. I know. So I guess the question is like, what do you do on a date that you recognize pretty quickly is not for you? So Eric and I actually talked about this on the most recent pod that came out this week Um, is like, how long do you owe someone? I'm putting O in quotes on a first date. Mm -hmm. Let me start by saying that I am for what I from the advice that I'm about to give is referring to situations where there's no safety concern. Yeah. This person has not been rude. Yeah. Everything like they're nice. It's just not your person. You're not having a good time. Yeah. If that's not the case, like get out, leave immediately. Like you. Yeah. Get out. Like there's no you don't owe this person anything. Yeah. I think you don't owe somebody a reason to leave. I think a lot of people think that they have to have a reason why they're ending a date. Mm. Like 
you know, it, it can't just be like, okay, I should get going now. Like there has to be like, oh, I have an appointment or I have yeah. to go walk my dog or I, like they think they need a reason and you, you just don't. Okay. So can you like give us like, how would you say that if you're out on a date and you're ready to go? So I think it's important to identify a natural stopping point Yeah. so that it doesn't feel abrupt because mm-hmm. this is just my opinion. If somebody is a generally kind person, I think you do owe them that kindness, kindness in return to yes. make it not – yeah, to make it not seem like you're like trying to get the hell out as soon as humanly possible. Right, because they haven't done anything wrong. And like wrong. a lot of people – exactly. And a lot of people will say like, oh, like you don't owe them anything. And like I guess technically that's true. But what's an hour of your time in the grand scheme of things really? Right, yeah. And this is the risk you take dating. A hundred percent. And like is it really going to be that much better if you leave after 30 minutes versus 60? You're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> So I do think that finding a natural stopping point is important. So like, let's say you're out to drinks. Yeah. That natural stopping point is when the server or bartender or whomever asks if you want to order another one and you be ready to immediately say before they say anything, I'm okay, thank you. And then like, I should really be getting home. Okay. Yeah. It's simple and like clear. Yeah. You don't owe them a reason why you want to leave. Yeah. Okay. Next question, which is something I had so much trouble with is at the end of a date like this, where I know I don't really want to see this person again, but then you're parting. Like, what do you say on the goodbye? (laughs) Because I like a few times I accidentally would say like, oh, we should do this again, even though I didn't mean it. So my go to is it was so great to meet you. Have a great night. Okay. That's good. And I like have that or like whatever, whatever feels authentic to you. But like, you know, like this was fun. Have a great night. Okay. Or like, you know, it was nice meeting you. Have a great night and have rehearsed in your mind whatever phrase you want to be the thing that you say when you don't want to see them again. Yeah. So that you don't even have to think about it. And that's just the thing you say. Now, sometimes the other person will put you on the spot. Yeah. And especially as women who date men. I understand the in-person lie in that situation. Okay. Because I think that there's like a little bit of a safety concern there. Like you yeah. don't know how somebody's going to react to being turned down. Yeah. You like you there's a lot of unknowns in that scenario, especially if they're a stranger off a dating app that yeah. if you don't feel comfortable telling them in the moment that you don't want a second date, I totally understand that. I do think you are then obligated to follow up via text message. Yes telling them like we're not ghosting people right of course but I understand if that's if that's your in-person reaction and if you don't already follow Ellie she has a bunch of tech scripts on her website maybe you could tell us you'll do it better than I will yeah so (laughs) I so my website is findingmrheight.com as you might imagine um and I do have a lot of text text scripts on there that help you handle potentially awkward situations so whether that is telling someone you don't want to go on another date with them asking somebody you know Asking somebody about their communication patterns, maybe you felt them pulling away, telling somebody that whatever they're saying makes you a little bit uncomfortable, lots of different ones. I have over a dozen. And I started to write them because I realized that there's so much anxiety and nerves that go into having difficult conversations. Yeah. And one of the things that can help that is to have the words there for you. Yeah. I really like that. Um, Speaking of anxiety and nerves, I think the number one question that comes up for those of us in the widow community is whether or not to put that we are widowed on our dating app um, Mm. or on our profile. And everybody sort of handles it differently. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I So I I think it is totally valid however you want to handle it. 
Yeah. That being said, I recommend not putting it. Oh, interesting. Why? Because I don't think you owe anybody that information. Mm. And I don't think that it actually gives them any information because it's not a one size fits all situation. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of the thought process is like, this is a dominating force in our lives right now. And takes totally. up 90% of our mental space. And so like, I just want you to know that that's something I'm bringing to the table is like, this is part of who I am. Um, but I also hear what you're saying. And I know when I, whenever, even early on, when I would ask my boyfriend, what is it like for you to date a widow? He'd be like, or like, how often yeah. do you think about the fact that I'm a widow? He'd be like, almost never. He was like, if you tell me, if you talk to me about it, I'll hear you and listen. And of course I'm interested, but like, to me, you're you and you're not like right. a quote unquote widow. And I just don't think of you that way. And I was a, sort of annoyed because I was like, but this is a huge part of who I am, you know? And he was like, I just, I see you as you. I think that's a really good way to put it that although it is such a huge part of who you are and it's such, it is such a huge part of who people who have been through that are, yeah. it doesn't mean the same thing For everybody. in each situation to each person. So true. And so- I think that with a lot of major life experiences yeah. that we might bring up, you know, at some point during dating, there's so much of it that's about the context that you provide someone when you tell them yeah, and them being face to face with you to kind of hear what you're saying and absorb what you're saying. And yeah. also for you to feel like it's your story to tell in that way and not, yeah. you know, one word on a dating app profile that now defines you. Yeah. I did also find this was just my preference to tell people, like if, if we were going to go out on a date, I liked to tell them before meeting in person so that they didn't have to have that awkward moment of like sitting across the table or at the bar or whatever with me and being like, oh shit, now what do I say? You know, because it is a hard moment, I think, to, to hear like, oh yeah, my husband died a year ago or two years ago or whatever it was. And like, how do they react to that, especially on a first date and the vibes? And yeah, all I understand that, that approach tricky. as well. Yeah. That's why I think it's like, there's no right answer. Yeah. You know, and I think like whatever works for you works for you. And again, not an irreversible decision. Totally. Did you feel like after your dad passed that it affected your dating life much? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Was it something you talked about on dates? Or how did you handle that? Yeah. I almost always, it almost always comes up on first dates for me. Almost always. Oh, interesting. Um, especially if they're going well. It doesn't usually come up if they're not going that well because then we're not, tend we don't tend to be getting that deep. Yeah. But my dad and I were really close. And yeah. so most conversations about my childhood or even like, I mean, he only died four years ago. So yeah. almost five now. It's weird. Um, so like most of my life, he was extremely involved. And so like if I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm recounting memories, there's a very good chance he's going to be in them. Yeah. And then I'm using a past tense or yes. if it comes up like, oh, what do your parents do or where do your parents live or are your parents still married? If the date is going well and I'm thinking I'm going to want to see that person again, I almost always bring it up. Okay. Yeah. And that, I mean, similarly, I know we, uh, we sort of say the same thing where it's like, all of my adult memories are with my husband, you know, up until I, mm -hmm. when I started dating, it was like, everything I had to say was with him. So it was like, I would tell right. these stories and I'd be like, we did this and we did that and we did this, which I'm sure is new to people who aren't used to dating a widow. <laughs> Cause like, I don't yeah. know if people who are divorced talk about their stories in the same way. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. Because it's like they don't want that person to be an active part of their life still, whereas yeah. 
we do. So it's it's just an interesting. Like it wasn't dynamic. your choice to yes. not that it's everybody's choice to get divorced either, but like yeah, it's different, obviously. For sure. Okay, two more. So yeah. can we just do like a quick rundown of safety tips for people who are just starting? Totally. Yes. So one, think about as you're just thinking about crafting your profile, there is a place for you to say what you do for work. Mm-hmm. Think about what you're putting there because you get to type that in. It doesn't. It used to pull directly from like your LinkedIn or your Facebook, but oh. now most dating apps you're typing that in directly. Okay. It might give you like a default, but then you get to override it. Think about if you Google your first name that they're going to have yeah. with that job title, yeah. are they going to be able to find you? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, let's get more vague. Okay. I like that. So, and I wouldn't put your company name either for the same reason, but like, so mine says like vice president at retail. Okay. Perfect. Like it's very vague. And yeah. honestly, you could probably still figure it out if you really were trying. Yeah. But like, if you're really trying, you can also reverse image search. So like, there's only so much you can do. Right. Right. <laughs> So that's number one. The second thing is that just in terms of your profile, specifically Bumble is very specific about your location. Oh, okay. And so if you live, I've had a couple clients who live in really small towns and they're mm-hmm. the only ones with their first names in those towns. Oh. And if you Google their first name and the place that Bumble says they are, you will mm-hmm. find their address. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, just try again, take a lens that you're somebody else looking at your profile. Yeah. And just try saying, like, use an incognito window on Google Chrome so that it doesn't have any of your cookies. Otherwise, it's going to be really easy to find you because right. it's your computer. Right. Google different combinations of the information that you have on your profile, including your location, wherever the app says you are. Yeah. And that will help you, like, pressure test whether or not a stranger can find identifying information about you. Yes. I am not good about this. I, I'm horrible at it. I'm but very like, Googleable. Th- these are the tips for your profile. Yeah. Uh, same. Um, and then second thing is when you're actually going to be going on the dates, yeah. make sure that, first of all, public place, but I feel like that's pretty obvious these yeah. days. I also, one of the reasons why I like drinks dates over dinner dates is because I think having a bartender interacting with you on a regular basis is a great safety measure. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And that's why I like sitting at a bar rather than a table. Yeah. And it feels like an interview. Like, no, I'm just laughing at myself because my first date with my current boyfriend, who I've been with for almost two years now, was like at a forest preserve on a walk. <laughs> and I'm like, we were oh the only people there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So not high Don't on my list that. of safety tips. Right. <laughs> um, but so I do really like sitting at a bar for that reason, because I think bartenders are really good at catching a vibe. Yeah. It'll be easier for you, like, God forbid this were to happen. This is a very rare situation. But, like, if you needed to flag down help, yeah, it's much easier in that somebody. kind of scenario. Yeah, definitely. You have somebody. And then the second piece is make sure that somebody that you know, a friend, has a screenshot of the person's profile and where yep. you're going. Yep. Yeah, totally. Okay, awesome. So I know that you are somebody who dates multiple people at once. Mm-hmm. Does that ever come up with people? Like, do they ask you about it? Or when do you reveal that? Like, how transparent are you about all that? In my opinion, it is assumed that you are dating other people until you have a conversation that you're not. Okay, I've heard that before. And if somebody is asking you, are you dating other people? Mm -hmm. My response to that is usually, what question are you actually trying to ask me? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to know? Yeah. And do you think that's about around sexual safety? That's a little bit different. 
Well, I more meant like going out with different people. I think if you're talking about being intimate with multiple partners, then I think there's more communication that's necessary from like a sexual health perspective. Yes, for sure. But if we're just talking about going on dates, I think like it's none of their business. It's assumed that you're dating other people until anybody says otherwise. Yeah. And if you want to know if the person is dating other people, ask yourself why you want to know that. Yeah. Is it because you don't want them to? And if that's the case, have that conversation. I had one guy who asked me pretty like directly on our first date or he was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the kind of guy that only likes to date one person at a time. I hope you are too. And I had, I was like just starting to date and I was sort of like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, like, I don't really know what I want. (laughs) Um, But turned out that that guy was like a kind of a disaster and not good. Like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, he was just, I think maybe just being a little possessive. Yeah, possibly. And there are people that only prefer to date one person. Yeah. And those types of people could also say that same thing, but coming from a very well-intentioned place versus potentially what this guy was doing. Yeah. But I also th- still think that in that scenario, you'd be like, oh, actually, that's that's not really how I approach dating. Yeah. And I didn't know because I hadn't dated for like 17 years. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. The actual question that I wanted to ask you was, how do you personally avoid getting like overinvested when you get excited about somebody, like maybe even before dates, but you know, like when somebody expresses interest? It's one of the reasons that I don't like to talk to the somebody that much before we go on a first date. Okay. Because I'm trying to meet her my investment. But the other thing is that I try to only focus on one, what I know about the person, not what I am guessing could be true. Mm. Good tip. So like, oh, I wonder, like, I, I bet you my friends would love him or, you know, I bet he'd get along great with my family or it'd be really fun to do these things with him. Like, I don't know those things yet. Yes. Focus on what I know. And then also focus on the immediate future. And this is an early dating. Obviously, there's points at which you want to consider long-term potential sure. and that kind of stuff. But in early dating, do I want to go on another date with this person? And that's as far as we need to go. Yeah. Um, I could probably keep asking you questions for days, but (laughs) our time is up. (laughs) Oh, wait. Okay. One more. Because I had somebody specifically ask me if you think there are any apps for like the older crowd, like let's say over 50 maybe, um, that people tend to be on. So it really depends on geographically where you are, but just population wise, Bumble and Hinge, I mean, Tinder has the most, but Bumble and Hinge are going to be your best bets. Okay. Even in your 50s. Okay. And, and I think that – I think so. Okay. And it's going to be it's going to be dependent though. I think it depends on if you're in a big city, chances are there are going to be people in their, in their 50s and 60s that are on dating apps. If you're okay. in a small town, maybe not. Maybe then you want to explore a Match.com or an eHarmony. Okay. Yep. You have to pay for both of those though. Yeah. So my suggestion is always start with something you don't have to pay for. Yeah. It doesn't take very long to create a Bumble profile or a Hinge profile, and it's free unless you decide you want to pay for it. Right. So do it. See how that's working for you, and then you can move up incrementally to other things that you might have to pay for. The thing I feel like I want to tell like everyone who's listening is if you're curious about it, just try. Yeah. You know, like what do you have to lose really? And especially for those of us in the widow community, I think there's a lot of fear around judgment and, you know, people thinking we're going too soon or any of that. But nobody has to know. 
when you first start off dating, except that one friend totally. who you're going to tell that you're out with somebody. And Yeah, somebody should know. Make sure one person knows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, somebody did know I was in the woods with my boyfriend. <laughs> At least I had Good. that. But yeah, I mean, I think there's like we could just get really caught up in like our anxiety and fear, you mm-hmm. know, for so long. This is very much my personality, but I just want to tell people like, just do it. Just try. You know, if it doesn't totally go great, you. you can try again later. Yeah. It's not an irreversible decision. Like we yeah. said. Allie, so many great tidbits and sound bites and advice. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, can you tell us one more time, just like all the places we can find you or anything else we should yes. know? Yes. So I am on social media, um, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, although TikTok and Instagram are my most active and technically Twitter, at Finding Mr. Height. And then, like I mentioned earlier, my website is FindingMrHeight.com. That's where you'll find all of my tech scripts or if you want to work with me, all that info's there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Thank you. All right. Have fun out there. <laughs> well, that's it for this one. Until next week, I will just encourage you to check out the Patreon Seek out better help if you are in need of therapy and touch base with us on Instagram. Hope to see you there. Bye.